retiring from the purposes of God. There's no, I'm too old. It's for you young whippersnappers. No, 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 no. American culture teaches you that, not the Bible. I always think of Caleb, who when Caleb was older, Caleb took the hill. All the young whippersnappers didn't want to go there. But Caleb's like, I'll take that hill. And he actually got to marry Joshua's young daughter because of it. He got his trophy wife, so to speak. America is a little over 250 years old. Now, imagine being twice that age and then getting a call from God to build something that's never existed before while preaching to your neighbors that God's judgment is coming. Pastor Daniel will be teaching about Noah, whom God called to do those very things. You'll be encouraged today to think about your own life differently, not in terms of years until retirement, but of doing God's will until he calls you home. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Genesis chapter 6 as he continues his message, The Flood. It's interesting that God, being a good God, in verse 21, reminds him to take food for himself. You got to love that about the Lord. Always thinking of the little things. He didn't want Noah and his family to get hungry, start killing the animals that God wants to repopulate the earth with. So he says, listen, bring some food for yourselves. you got to love verse 22 here, because look, and Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. Obedience is the highest form of worship. I want you to write that in your journals, in your notes. Take a moment. Obedience is is the highest form of worship. God commanded it. Noah said, well, God said it. I believe it. Let's do it. And Noah did exactly what he was supposed to do. And so much of our Christian lives, so much of our spiritual lives gets ruined because we know what we ought to do and we choose to do something else. Now, I love my kids. You know, I was thinking about my poor kids because... They're not poor kids, you know, but, you know, they're preacher's kids. I'm allowed to say that. Well, what, what that means is this, is that, is that you guys are going to all hear stories about Obadiah and Maranatha their whole lives. And they're cute stories and we love them. But my kids are, are well trained now. When I say, listen, now, Obadiah, you cannot use Maranatha as a tackling dummy. Because, you know, like, you know, the New York Giants won the Super Bowl. Woo! Hey, I think all you guys, I mean, Tim Tebow just got traded to the New York Jets. Jeremy Lin with the New York Knicks, the center of Christianity and sports, has just shifted to the Big Apple, right? <laughs> Woo! If you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Amen, right? We got to like that stuff. That's, of course, my honorary uncle, Frank Sinatra who was born and raised in Hoboken, New Jersey. How about that? <laughs> okay. How did I get off on that? What was I talking? Oh. So Obadiah, right? When the Giants were playing in the Super Bowl, Obadiah got really into football. 
what you'd expect because his dad's screaming with joy at the television, you know? And so Obadiah, of course, he gets the football and he's like, okay, Maranatha, ready? And he, and he's seven and she's three, almost four. And he, and he's just like mauling her, you know? Just tackling her. And she thinks it's great. I mean, she just likes the fact that her brother's playing with her, you know? And so she thinks it's great. I'm like, Obadiah, you can't tackle your sister. She's a little girl. Oh, okay, okay, Abba, he says. And you know what happens when I walk upstairs. You, you know what happens, right? Because it was fun. And Abba's the great killjoy, you know? And so, sure enough, I say, Obadiah, what are you doing? Nothing. You guys know how this goes. And so I say, Obadiah, what did Abba say? He said, oh, don't tackle Maranatha. And what are you doing? I'm tackling Maranatha. I'm like, Obadiah, what do we call that? Disobedience. And me and Obadiah, we got this thing down now. But you know what? What about us? God says this. We do something else. What do we call that? Disobedience. Obedience is the highest form of worship. We give God the most glory when we simply take him at his word and do what he says. And as we get older, we get really, really good at trying to justify disobedience. Noah didn't. He just did what God said. Listen to Hebrews eleven seven, where Noah shows up in the hall of faith. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of the things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared the ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. I love this. Noah's been divinely warned of things he has not yet seen. He moved with godly fear and he prepared the ark and saved his household. When was the last time you thought to yourself, God has told me to trust him, walk by faith. This is what he says in his word. I'm going to move with godly fear to do that. And we know what the outcome was. I think of 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. The reason the church of Jesus Christ isn't what God has intended it to be, not because God's spirit isn't enough, but because we like to be disobedient, don't we? I mean, I, every day I wake up, my like, Lord, you know I'm a rebellious child. And you guys are like, well, of course you are, Pastor Jay. We know that about you, you know? But I, I, I said, God, you know that I like rebellion. That comes naturally. If it's not for the grace of God, rebellion is what you get. But then you read things like this, where Noah heard what God said and he just did it. And you're just like, yes, there it is. There it is. Now, in Genesis chapter 7, verse 1, Then the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. You shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, a male and a female, two each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female. Also, seven each of the birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of the earth. For after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights. I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters were on the earth. So now, 
we have this reality that Noah says, listen, I want you to come in, or the Lord says, no, I want you to come into the ark. Now he says, I want you to take seven of the clean animals. Now, we start getting, this starts getting into some of the worship prescriptions that we learn about in the book of Exodus. But clean animals, you can read all about this if you want. I don't have time today, but if you look at Leviticus chapter 11, there's all this discussion about clean animals and unclean animals. And clean animals were animals that were worthy to be sacrificed to the Lord. They were worthy offerings to the Lord. There's other animals that were considered unclean, which were not to be sacrificed. So that's where the concepts come from. If you read Leviticus 11 in your own time, or you can wait a couple of years and we'll get into, a, maybe not a couple of years, we'll get to Leviticus and then we can have at it on what these things are and why. But once Noah gets out of the ark, he's going to offer God sacrifices, which is something that we'd already seen begun in Genesis chapter 4. Now it's interesting that there was seven more days until the waters came. And people go crazy about why seven days, what happened, blah, 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 blah. And the answer is we just don't know why, except for the fact that God waited. Now, not only did God wait seven days, but it says he's going to reign on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And if you've read your Bible at all, you know that this 40-day thing pops up over and over again. That's why if you enjoy things like numerology, people would say that the number 40 is the number of judgment or trials. And for those of you who have hit 40, you know what I'm talking about. I'm just kidding. But for those, I know that 40 is a, a big deal age for a lot of people. It's like for some reason they hit 40 and things get all, you know, they get all a little like, whoa, I'm 40. Well, and maybe there's some reason, some existential thing that goes on at 40. But we know, of course, that it rained for 40 days and nights. It was 40 days and, until the destruction of Nineveh. When Jonah was preaching, Jesus fasted for 40 days in the wilderness when he was tempted by Satan. We know that the Jews wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. And there's some other ones as well. So this number comes up over and over and over again. Now, it's interesting. All this happens when Noah was 600 years old. Now, what this means for those of you who are seasoned in years, that man Noah built that ark when he was 500. And I just say, right on. No matter if you're 20 or if you're 80, God wants to use you. There's no retiring from the purposes of God. There's no, I'm too old. It's for you young whippersnappers. No, 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 no. American culture teaches you that, not the Bible. I always think of Caleb, who when Caleb was older, Caleb took the hill. All the young whippersnappers didn't want to go there. But Caleb's like, I'll take that hill. And he actually got to marry Joshua's young daughter because of it. He got his trophy wife, so to speak, for taking that hill. And you got to love that, man. We should be inspired by Pastor Bill. You know who Pastor Bill is? God's used him mightily in founding and pastoring this church for 36 years. And now Pastor Bill has a new hill that he's taken right now with the Next Step ministry. I was just talking to another brother who's just turning over his business that he's been working. He's got a new hill that he's taking right now for God's glory. He's got a whole new ministry that he's getting started up. You know, and I pray for all of us that we see that. I think of guys that we have on staff like Steve Butler and Bill Gibbons. These guys are taking new hills when they're supposed to be just playing golf and playing Marjan and doing, you know, uh, 
you know, crossword puzzles. These, they're taking new hills. And I love that. I pray that God will give me long years so I can do that. Be my most daring when I'm my most seasoned. How awesome is that? Noah's an old dude, but he's doing it. He's going for it. And I pray that we're all like that. We're all doing that kind of thing. Now, verse 7. So Noah with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives went into the ark because of the waters of the flood, of clean animals, of animals that are unclean, of birds, and of everything that creeps on the earth. Two by two, they went into the ark to Noah, male and female, as God had commanded. Okay. Now you notice this. Noah and his sons get into the ark, and all the animals come to the ark. Now this is important, because in verse 19 of Genesis 6, it says that God was going to bring two of every animal to Noah. Because everybody, if you're a skeptic, you're like, oh, come on. I mean, you got to be rational. You actually believe this stuff that two of every animal, male and female, actually made onto the ark. Like, how did Noah do that? And the reality is Noah didn't have to do it because God sent the animals. Now, you only struggle with that if you don't believe in God. If you believe in God, you're like, well, this is completely plausible. There's no problem with this, because if God is doing it, it's no problem. Now you might say, well, you know, I don't understand how you can believe in that. And I believe that if you go talk to a zookeeper, a zookeeper can get two of every animal in one place at one time pretty well. And if a human can do it, don't you think God who created them can do it? That's really the way I argue. Anyone who doesn't believe in miracles. Oh, how could you believe a virgin gave birth to Jesus? I'm like, easy. You could take a woman who's never had sexual relations with anyone, you could bring her to a clinic, and you can in vitro fertilize one of her eggs. She doesn't ever have to know a person. If humans can figure out how to do it with technology, can't God do that? Oh, how do you believe in the parting of the Red Sea? Will you ever look at a dam? You ever go to an aquarium where there's walls of water, you can see the fish? Whoa! Men figured out how to do that with a little glass and some smart engineering. Who created man? You get almost every miracle, you're like, yeah. And then you have things like the sun going back on the sundial. Only God can do that stuff, unless the man moves the sundial. <laughs> but that's one of those ones that only God can do. Man can't figure that one out yet. So you get all the animals come, verse 10. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth. I love this simply because God said it was going to happen in seven days. And in seven days, what happened? It happened. Because God's word is true. God's word is sure. When God says something's going to be this way, that is the way it is. Now, in verse 11, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. So, this flood came both from the earth and from the windows of heaven. Now, if you were here when we studied the creation account, we made the point that there is a good chance that when God separated the waters with the sky, that the earth was potentially encased with water surrounding the earth. And we talked about how that's one of the reasons people could have lived really long, that there was water around. Now, I don't want to press that because you're not sure when the windows of heaven opened, because it just really rained. I mean, we live here in the Pacific Northwest, so we know what that's like. I don't want to press something, but the reality is, is that you have rising tides from the earth and you have rain coming from the sky. This is how the flood is happening. 
Okay? And this happened for 40 days and 40 nights. As we get to verse 13, we start getting some more details. On the same day, Noah and Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They and every beast after its kind, all cattle after its kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, every bird of every sort. And they went into the ark to Noah, two by two of all flesh, in which is the breath of life. So those who entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Wow. So everyone gets on the ark, and who shuts them in? The Lord. It's powerful. The Lord actually shut the door to keep them in. Beautiful. Verse 17. Now the flood was on the earth 40 days. The waters increased and lifted up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. Verse 18. The waters prevailed and greatly increased on the earth, and the ark moved about on the surface of the waters, and the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth, and all the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed 15 cubits upward, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds and cattle and beasts of every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, and every man all in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life, all that was on the dry land died. So he destroyed all living things that were on the face of the ground, both man and cattle, creeping things and bird of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who remained were with him and the ark remained alive and the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. Do you notice the repetition of the waters prevailing? Over and over and over again. Verse 17, verse 18, verse 19, verse 20, and then verse 24. Over and over and over again. To make you realize that the waters took over and everything died. Everybody died. Now, it's fascinating. If you were to read the ancient writings of almost every tribe, almost every tribe has some sort of a flood account. Different scholars have spoken of this. I'll be honest, I didn't do all the back research on that. I didn't go and read everybody's stuff, but James Montgomery Boyce, who's a very well-known commentator, says there's legends in the Samokubo tribe of New Guinea, the Athapascan Indians of America, the Papago Indians of Arizona, Brazilian tribe, Peruvian Indians, African Hottentots, natives of Greenland, native Hawaiian Islanders, Hindus, Chinese, Egyptians, Greeks, Persians, Australian natives, the Welsh, Celts, Druids, Siberians, and Lithuanians all have a flood story. What's up with that? Who's left? Who makes it out the backside of this? Simply this. The only people who made out were the people on the ark. That's what the story says unequivocally. Notice, only, verse 23, only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. So these waters rise, they're covering all the mountains, everybody's dying, and the waters are on the earth for 150 days. That's five months. So it rains for 40, and then for five months, the water is there. The earth is under water. Now, in verse chapter 8, Then God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him on the ark, and God made a wind to pass over the earth, 
and the water subsides, the fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were also stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained. This is what I want to do. I don't want to fly through this chapter in five minutes. I want to close with verse one. It says, and God remembered Noah. So you're telling me that God forgot about Noah? People say that's like, I mean, you believe in God and now it says God remembered Noah? The expression remember does not mean calling to mind here. Again, it is covenantal language designating fidelity. God is acting in accordance with his earlier promise to Noah. So it says God remembered Noah. It doesn't mean that God had forgotten about him. It was like, oh yeah, Noah and his family and those animals. Man, I'm glad I didn't leave them in there forever. It wasn't like God, you know, spaced out. He had a senior moment or something. You know, God got it wrong on his calendar. He forgot to text himself a reminder. It wasn't like that. God was remembering. He was calling himself to mind the promise that he had made. And I want to close with this application for us. For a lot of us, we need to remember to be faithful. We need to take a moment and say, you know, I made a commitment to this guy. I made a commitment to this gal, if you're married. When I gave birth to my kids, I made a commitment by my actions to these little men and women. I made a commitment to God. And for a lot of us, we're forgetting the commitment we've made. And we're breaking the covenant in a million different ways. The act, this reality of coming back to God's faithfulness. God is calling again, reminding that he made a promise that he intends to keep. What about us? Are there covenants that we're breaking right now? My prayer is that in these last few moments that you'll be saying, Lord, search my heart and know me. Reveal your heart to me. Renew a clean heart in me. Lead me in the way of everlasting. Remind me of what I promised my wife that I would be when we got married. Remind me what I promised my husband I would be. Remind me what I thought I was going to be for my kids. Remind me when God was moving in my heart, the kind of employee I was going to be or employer I was going to be. Remind me of how I told God I was going to live my life when I was young and zealous and naive. And Lord, let us walk in those ways again, like children, with innocence, without fear, with the simple trust of a child in a God who is way more faithful than we will ever be. Jesus is Five months in a boat with a whole lot of animals is a long time. But as Pastor Daniel taught, Noah did it out of obedience to God. And his doing these tasks, building the ark, preaching salvation to a bunch of people who couldn't care less, tending to the animals, not knowing beforehand how things would go, well, this is an example to us all of how someone simply hears from God and what to do and then gets to work, no questions asked. 
Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the Stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel finishes up his teaching about the Great Flood. You'll learn what happened when the flood waters went away and how everything had been changed as a result of God's destroying the known earth. God's faithfulness to Noah and his descendants, which includes you and me, will be discussed, as will how all this ties into Jesus and his salvation. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Origins. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.